This is an ABC podcast. This is the Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. Good afternoon, Annie Brown is my name. Good to be with you this Tuesday afternoon. Now, the 2023 Wiener sales have kicked off in the northeast of Victoria today. We will check in to see how the first sale went this morning. And it's been a year since fire ripped through Victoria's far west, a 7,000 hectare fire that wiped out thousands of livestock and destroyed farm infrastructure. And a year on, things are looking up. It's been more positive than I thought it would have been initially. There were a lot of people that were obviously stressed and traumatised for a start. We just feel positive about the future. And there was some pretty stormy weather around central Victoria near Clunes yesterday. Some saying the worst storm they have seen on their properties. We'll check in with a few farmers and see what kind of damage was done. And of course, later on, we will also check in with the Bureau of Meteorology and get the latest uh, information on any storm activity throughout the state today as well. But it is not just a one-way street, not just me talking at you for the next 55 minutes. We'd love to hear from you as well on the country hour. You can always give us a call on 1300 147 or send us a text on 0467842722. The Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. Now, tens of thousands of cattle will pass through Victorian sale yards in the next fortnight as the southern wiener sales kick off. And today, the action started in the northeast of Victoria. Over the next four days or so, 27,000 calves are booked to be sold across Wodonga and Wangaratta. Now, the first sale this morning in Wodonga has wrapped up. And to give us an update, we're joined by James Brown, the director of Ray White Rural and Livestock in Albury, the agents who ran the sale this morning. James, welcome to the Country Hour. Glad to be here. So how did the sale go this morning? Uh, look, went very, very well. We we had an exceptionally good run of grown steers and wiener steers in, in our offering uh, for day one here at NVLX. Um, it was a good good buying competition, probably from certainly the local area, but but as uh, as what's uh, come accustomed to our January sales from from uh, northern parts of New South Wales in the, in the southern Queensland as well. How many cattle on offer this morning? We uh, we only we had shy of 1,100 cattle in total. A few people. Once we got all the uh, drafting gate over the last few days, there's a few few people held a few steers back. There's been a lot of rain; they haven't come through the spring as as well as uh, anticipated, just with the with the uh, moisture that was around. Yeah, and all sold this morning. Yeah, yeah, all sold, all sold, and and, and sold very well. Like our our feeder steers, I suppose, are, are on trend as where they were pre-Christmas. <laughs> um, in the end, uh, up at around the 470 uh, cents per kilo mark. Um, and, and back a little bit from there once we got off the Angus steers into, into coloured steers. Yeah. And how would you describe the cattle this season? What kind of condition are they in? Cattle are presenting very well. Um, there's there's the lead of our wiener steers where oh, I tick over 375 kilos um, and, and a lot of cattle, probably 320 to 340-odd odd kilo in the wiener section um, and presenting very well. The guys that have... Um, yard when they're cattle and, and they've just taken that bit of bloom off them um, but you can certainly see the frame and the potential 
potential on the cattle and, and our guys, the buyers from uh, from away, certainly uh, like all the cattle, cattle to be weaned that they're purchasing. And so what are the buyers looking for in, uh, at the sales this morning? What was the, the, the talk around? Oh, look, we had a very good offering of, of sort of heavier yearling, uh, 14, 15-month-old steers in, in, in feeder weight. So we had um, a fair few of the major major feedlot players here uh, looking and, and bidding. Um, only a few of them sort of took took home the chocolates, but they were certainly all here uh, in, inspecting and, and bidding at, at, at their price levels. A few guys are still, I suppose, readjusting where they want to be coming into the new year, but... Um, yeah, as I said, their feeder steers certainly still sold sold to market trend pre-Christmas. And buyers from all over? Yeah, Tamworth to, to southern Queensland and, and everywhere in between. Canamble, mm. some cattle went back to Canamble and as well as the local districts. And I guess it's been a really wet year last year, 2022. You know, it'll be a year we all think about the rain and the water. Has, that, has the weather had a big impact on the season for producers this year, have you found? I think if... We've, we've producers from, from you know, Tumbarama to the other side of Aubrey have probably all found it a little bit difficult with the weather that we've had. Uh, we've come through the spring with not a lot of sunshine and a lot of rain. The cattle haven't had time to, to do as well as, as what they'd normally do through that later part of the spring into, in towards December when it does heat up and there's a bit of, bit of bulk in the feed. It, it sort of cut out very short this year. Um, Cattle still presented well, but certainly haven't stacked the weight on it. That later part of the spring is what they usually do. Yeah, so a bit harder to put on weight. Yeah, a bit different this yeah. year. Yeah, and I guess so. This was uh, you had to you kicked off the first weaner sales this morning. Um, there's still a lot more to be sold as the week goes on. Uh, do you think prices in your sale will be affected by going early? No, not not necessarily. I, I, I um, you know. <clears throat> Doesn't matter who goes first. The first are always after the new year. There are certainly people that like to sit back and see how things open up. But I, I think there's, you know, we're not certainly not disappointed with what we've achieved here today. Um, you know, being on trend to where they were pre-Christmas, um, you can't ask for much more than that. But there's always a, the talk in the media leading into Christmas that you see prices back into back off what we've seen uh, 21, 22 levels. And I mean, yeah, that's certainly evident. But I. Uh, it certainly seems to be on trend what what we've seen in December. Mm, so that correction in the market that we've spoken about before. Um, I guess what's the outlook on the beef market right now, do you think? Look, there's, there's been a bit of rain in the US and some of the drought-affected country. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question where I wish I had a crystal ball and I assume every agent and every producer would, would like that crystal ball sitting on their uh, on their kitchen table. So I think as we as we move through over the next month or two, yeah, it, it's, it's a recent period. There's um, additional cycle of, of where we are in the beef market, I suppose. What what has been a massive rise over the last two years, and it's uh, coming around for a reset in that in that cycle. Hmm. And I guess lastly, James, what was the mood like in the crowd today? Oh, upbeat, positive, yeah. All mm. all getting over their Christmas cheer and, and still uh, still throwing their hands about wanting to buy a few cattle. I'd like to hear it. Well, thanks for your time today and um, well done with the sale. All the best. Thank you.
That is James Brown from Ray White Rural and Livestock in Albury kicking off the wiener calf sales this morning in Wodonga. And we're going to try and head to the sale yards on Thursday to bring the Country Hour live from the Wodonga Barney sale yards there and sort of get a bit of a wrap up of the wiener calf sales there for the week. Uh, But later on in the program, if livestock is of interest to you, we are going to take a broader look at the livestock markets and recap the year 2022 and also have a look ahead to see what is coming in the year 2023 as well. But now residents in central Victoria have described big dark clouds rolling over their region yesterday ahead of a pretty drastic cool change and hailstorm. In some cases, as much as 70 millimetres of rain fell, damaging crops and leaving a big clean-up job behind. Some even said it was the biggest storm that they've seen and reported windows being smashed and cladding destroyed. If this is a storm that you experienced yesterday, we would love to hear from you as well on the Country Hour. You can always get in touch with us via the text line 0467842722. But we also spoke to Drew Crislett, Chislett, sorry, Drew Chislett, who described the moment it caught up with him at Duramox. Here's a bit of what Drew had to say. It was one of those afternoons where uh, you just knew something was going to happen. It's just so tropical. And you've got the whole Queensland feel, minus the beach and minus the sand and stuff like that. Uh, It was just very, very tropical. Everything was very humid. And uh, you could just tell something was building. And as the afternoon got on, we could sort of look to the south of us. We were working just to the west side of Bort. And so looking down to the south, you could sort of see the storm. I heard on the radio that there's a few bits and pieces going on down there to the south. And uh, you could see it sort of moving across the Inglewood, Bridgewater area. And it was kind of funny, and it sort of it sort of lulled us into a little bit of a false sense of security because I'm watching it just sort of move to the east, a little bit northeast, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, that's missed us. Um, you know, pity the poor guys down there. And then only to sort of over the next hour just watch it sort of change directions, actually. It starts to move forward. So so from the west, as I'm looking out to the to that southeast, it's just it's one of those great, big, thick, heavy clouds whole bunch of blue whole bunch of green in it and it's just kind of walking its way up the sky and uh yeah so it's just it just starts you could sort of just, just so dark out there and um so we're working here in the out west of Vaughan. i thought you know what home is home is east um, we're gonna have to pack up and get our act into gear and just on the way home we ended up catching the front of it uh, and I was in a truck at the time and, and just between Bort and Daramox, huge amount of uh, branches, you know, fairly fairly light limbs, really, not trees, but light limbs all blowing across the road. Um, and then we get out to home at Daramox and, yeah, they'd been hit quite hard, really. Uh, we, we got two inches at home. It's kind of hard to tell with our rain gauge, you know, with uh, wind and rain blowing sideways. There's reports that some people got up to three inches, so either that's true or they've just got really tall dogs. Um, yeah, and it's but there's a lot of you know tops of trees ripped out. Um, you know some some good significant sized trees in our yard pushed over. Quite a good little mess to clean up this morning, really. Yeah, it sounds like the tropical beach haze sort of caught up with you. Did you get much? <laughs> did you get yeah. much hail there? Yeah, we did. So right between Bort and Pyramid Hill, what do we call it? The big uh, Great White Harvester. 
um, you know, what wasn't sort of harvested certainly got a bit of a hit from the from the hail. So right across that area, there was at home, we got stuff that was probably half the size of a golf ball. Um, certainly if you had a car outside, it was giving it a bit of grief. And uh, But yeah, there's certainly some people of some of the neighbours have got pictures up of stuff the size of a golf ball. Not too much bigger than that, but that's big enough. That's going to give things a bit of a canine. So yeah, yeah. quite a few. When we got home, there was a... We, there's a glare in the yard. There was a magpie there that couldn't fly, so we were sort of looking after those critters as well. Um, got them back up on deck and and happy again. But yeah, it was uh, certainly gave everything a bit of a bit of a surprise, I guess. Yeah, so golf ball sized hail that would uh, knock any unharvested crops around a fair bit, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, we've sort of come back out here this morning to the west of board, so I haven't really caught too much wind of what's happening around Derrimox. But yeah, I would imagine that you know anyone that got in the way of that, uh, that would sort of be the end of the story for them for the most part. It's going to knock any you know the heads around pretty badly. Um, so yeah, look, I, I don't know. We, we were lucky. We're getting on to the, the back end of harvest. Uh, quite a few guys had a pretty strong, hard push up to Christmas and new year. There's still some crop coming off at the moment, but certainly, uh, certainly things have started to slow down. We sort of, sort of get to the back end of harvest for sure. So it sounds yeah. like, um, sort of bad enough, but could have been a lot worse. Maybe not the worst you've seen. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'd, um, I spent some time in Queensland. It was very reminiscent of that Queensland kind of storm, pretty fierce and blowy. Um, yeah, look, it, it was a pretty strong storm. Uh, and I think I think some people would describe it as probably the worst that they've seen. Uh, but yeah, look, we feel like in our place, we got out of it all right. Uh, we're feeling pretty lucky, really. You know, a lot of our crops are off and, and uh, look, it's given us a bit of giving the kids a bit of gardening to do today, I suppose, really, to be able to clean it up and saves pruning, I guess. You know, it's sort of from us, it sort of walked across to the Kahuna direction, headed sort of kept going to the northeast. And, you know, those guys over there, it seems like there's some pretty strong reports coming out of that area as well. Um, but, yeah, now, look, I think for the most part for our area, we're, we're feeling pretty pretty lucky really uh, just a few branches to clean up and i know some of the neighbors have got a you know bit of tin to pick up and things like that i think the big thing was it was a very you know it's not the most sometimes you can get those focused little tornado cells um and and but this was far more widespread it wasn't that little focused destruction it was a quite a widespread you know 20 30k front where and, and that's probably what makes it a little bit worse. There's a lot of damage over a, a larger area. Um, but maybe it's not as severe as those, you know, those wild little supercells that, that you know, that get this narrow little, you know, half a kilometre width and just destroy everything. Um, far more widespread, I, I guess. That's Drew Chislett there speaking with Peter Somerville. Uh, Drew is over at Durham Ox in central Victoria. And on the other side of Bendigo at Glengower, northeast of Clunes, Norm Brooks also recorded 70 millimetres of rain yesterday. He said it wasn't the worst storm he's seen at his property, but he was surprised that there wasn't more damage. Yeah, it was rather amazing, really. Like I was in the shed and um, you could hear thunder and lightning well in the distance, like sounded like it was a fair way away and then all of a sudden I thought I could hear rain and like it was about 30 odd degrees and sunny and 
I walked to the door and it started to rain and then it just got heavier and then these bopping big hailstones come down the size of a tombola marble and they're just pelting down, absolutely pelting down and the noise on the shed roof was horrendous. Uh, were you running for cover or you stayed in the shed? Uh, no, luckily I was in the shed, so um, doing something. So like I was mixing horse feeds actually. And um, yeah, it just started coming down very heavy, very noisy. Much damage out of all of that? Surprisingly enough, um, most of the damage is like the driveways washed away and and um, yeah, gravel just washed down down off, to, off the driveways onto the grass that sort of thing um it's a wonder i was worried about one of my youths was parked out in the open and i was worried about hail damage to that and i was talking to my brother later and he said he was on the header and he stopped and um decided to go home for the day and he was worried driving back to clunes that the um hailstones were going to smash his windscreen it must have been a pretty spectacular storm then to be uh, worried about wind a windscreen being smashed <laughs> yeah, well, I said to him, what about hail damage? And he goes, I haven't even um, checked that yet. I'm not going to. But, um, yeah, it's the worst I've ever seen. I've lived here since um, uh, not December 1974. We moved here and um, I've never seen anything like it before. And most people around here that I've spoke to have said the same thing. And have you heard of uh, damage from those other people you've been speaking with? Did you uh, did you just get off no lightly or no? No one sort of said anything about damage. Um, not that I've spoken to them for long, but um, no one sort of said, oh, it's done this or it's done that, which I can't believe that it hasn't caused more damage than what it has for the way it came down and for the amount of time it went. So, yeah, it's surprising really. How much rain did you get out of it all? Uh, we ended up with 70 mil in, uh, what would it have been, um, in about an hour and a half, I guess. That's heavy enough. Hopefully you, uh, you didn't have an hour and a half of hail, though. Uh, no, thank goodness. The hail sort of subsided after a while um, and uh, the rain started to lighten off and I thought, oh, good, it's going. And the next minute it just absolutely downpoured. The rain come down. <laughs> rather heavy as well so like um yeah then it just wouldn't go away it just kept hanging around is there much work in repairing your driveway have you got a lot to do there um yeah it's going to take a bit of work but um yeah it's uh yeah lost lost a lot of the the top gravel off the drive and it's cut channels in some of the parts of the drive where it's never damaged before and it was just yeah, water coming down everywhere. It was everything was like underwater. No matter where you walked, you were walking in water. Uh, uh, the horse yards, like the Shetland pony, was in the yard, and when I went to let her out, um, uh, the water was up to her fetlocks. Like <laughs> it was crazy. That's Norm Brooks, who are just racehorses and run sheep at Glengower, speaking there with Peter Somerville, the worst storm he has ever seen. And continuing on that, uh, Jody Hay has a dairy farm at Wee Wee Rup, but just outside Kahuna. And while others have said it was a big storm, but not too damaging, like Norm said, that certainly was not the case for Jody, who, who joins us now in the country hour. Afternoon, Jody. Afternoon. So, tell us, how bad was the storm for you? Uh, yeah, it was fairly frightening. Um, it, it came in around about 7 o'clock. Uh, luckily, we'd just finished moving all the vehicles into undercover. Um, and it, 
really was just like a a, a white storm. It this this noise. The noise was amazing. It went really dark, um, and then this wind, and then the hailstones started, and we kind of just held our breath and had to wait for it to finish. How long did it last for? Look, it, it felt like forever, but it was probably the, the main part of it was maybe about 15 minutes. Right. Um, yeah, and in that time, it was, you know, enough to, um, you know, it blew down. We've got willow trees in the front of our farm. We would have possibly lost 40 of those. It's like we've been in with an excavator. Um, we've, you know, of the four, five houses on our property, um, four of them are damaged, like, you know, vinyl panel, the cladding uh, has got big holes punched in it. Um, our window's broken, skylight's broken, um, and then, but probably the most devastating for us is we've, we've got a, a maize crop in, um, and that, you know, there's 40 hectares of that that's now looks like it's, you know, had a, a shredder through it, so I'm not sure what we do with that. We also have got, um, you know, 150 hectares of uh, grain that's not harvested yet, so, um, yeah, it, it's pretty devastating, but... Anyway, that's farming, isn't it, I guess? We're all here to tell the story. We've had um, neighbours who had a big tree go through the middle of their house. So I guess we can count our lucky stars, that, you know. Was that from the yeah. same storm? The tree went through their house? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're at the, wee wee, they're at the wayside stop, um, which is probably about a kilometre for us from us, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's quite a lot of damage that happened out your way. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's roofs um, off around the island road enormous big gum trees around the island road are down as well um yeah so and it was really just a quite a narrow strip it seems like it, it was almost about a three kilometer strip mm. um that obviously brewed up over pyramid hill because there's some fascinating photos of the clouds forming over there and and then it kind of grew in momentum as it, as it hit piper's road which is just near us <laughs> wow did you get much warning it was coming well, look, you get all those um, alerts and, and things. We definitely knew, you know, on, on the map, the, the big emergency had them. We had no idea um, that it was going to be like that, of course. Um, but we were prepared enough, uh, although my, my children, one was driving, Tom, our son was driving in it, which was a bit scary. And, like, the tanker drivers as well, they were on the roads and, mm. and they pulled in after it. And so everyone was a little bit shaken. You know, to say the least, that no one's ever really seen anything like that here. I don't think. Mm. And Jody, you mentioned that you've you've lost a bit of crop. How will that affect your production and your dairy operation? Uh, well, significantly. Um, you know, that's our maize crop that we we want to grow that so that we can harvest it and feed it um, over the summer months when we're not grazing. Um, you know, there's about forty thousand dollars at least worth of of money gone into that crop, uh, and now. You know, is it lost? We do. We do have it insured, thankfully. But the other crop, we don't. Um, we also got an open crop as well that's been flattened. It was ready to nearly cut for hay. With all the flood damage that we had um, in the spring, we've had to really change like the the maize is in late, and we also are trying a new open variety to grow over summer, which is really rare because we wanted to replace what we lost in the in those rain events and flooding. <laughs> In the spring, anyway, uh, Mother Nature's got other ideas for us at the minute. Not a great start to 2023, sadly. No, it's supposed to be a good one too. (laughs) Well, maybe this is... You're going to get out of the way, hopefully. (laughs) I hope so. so. Thankfully, you know, no one was hurt. Um, Animals were fine. Um, You know, we didn't even lose power, which was pretty fascinating. Yeah, Yeah. that is good. Um, And I guess how long do you think it's going to take you to clean all this up? Uh, Well, we've got... Um, 
the, the window people are hopefully coming today. They're on holiday, so I'm really grateful for Ali Mac and Kareng for, for coming and doing that. Um, but electricians on site replacing, you know, wet um, electrical cords and things when power's out. Excavator driver is going to call in and start lifting trees off fences. Um, yeah, I guess probably two or three weeks. It depends what t- sort of time we get at it. Um, yeah, and amongst all the other things we have to do. So. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Jody, thank you so much for uh, having a chat with us and, and sharing what happened to you. I, I hope things go smoothly with the cleanup and uh, hopefully not too much of a loss with the damage yes. there. Me too, and I hope you have a nice twenty twenty three as well. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Jody. Bye. That's Jody. Hey, she's a dairy farmer from out Wee Wee Rupt, uh, just outside Kahuna there. And in that hailstorm yesterday, saw some incredible amounts of damage at her place there. So huge. Huge clean-up job that's going to happen out at her dairy farm. But like she said, good to hear that all the animals and everybody is okay out there. Um, but curious to know if uh, you're out that way as well and if you experienced this pretty intense hailstorm that sort of just sort of rolled in yesterday around central Victoria. Um, keen to hear your experiences as well with that. You can always send us a text on 0467842722 or if you want to have a bit of a chat, you can also give us a call on 1300 147 triple two now uh, speaking of weather and text we yesterday on the country hour we were talking about yearly rain totals we asked you to text in your yearly rain totals and we were absolutely saturated pun intended with texts that came in and so i didn't actually get to read everybody's that uh sent in so i've got a few more of those to read out that i'm very happy to do as well in a few moments but it is 12.30 on the Victorian Country Hour, which means that it's time to find out what is making regional news headlines with Lexi Junovic. Good afternoon, Annie. Lifesaving Victoria says this has been the worst Christmas period for drownings in 18 years. Yesterday, police found a body in Lake Eildon in Victoria's Alpine region, believed to be a 34-year-old man who went missing while swimming at the lake on Sunday. 23 people have drowned across the state since July 2022 and five have drowned since Christmas. Victoria police say they're investigating after a toddler was fatally struck on a property outside of Melton yesterday morning. It's believed a car ran over the toddler on the driveway of the rural property on Diggers Rest and Coimadai Road in Toolanvale just after 11am. The child died at the scene. The search continues for a driver who drove an allegedly stolen vehicle into a swimming pool on New Year's Day. It's alleged two people were in the car that crashed through two fences and into a backyard swimming pool in Inverloch around 2 o'clock in the morning. Police say the two occupants escaped the car through the sunroof as it sank into the pool. Anyone with information should contact Crime Stoppers. Two people have avoided serious injury after freeing themselves from a small aircraft crash at the Wentworth Aerodrome in Sunraysia. Barrier Police District officers attended the scene yesterday after reports the 65-year-old pilot and his 42-year-old passenger crashed into trees upon takeoff. The pair were taken to hospital with minor injuries. And despite a later start to the fire season, Victoria's conservation regulator is reminding campers to never leave a campfire unattended. The regulator says officers will be patrolling forests, parks and reserves targeting illegal off-road activity, littering and campfire regulations this year. 
Campers are urged to check for any total fire bans before lighting their campfire. For more news anytime, visit abc.net.au forward slash news. It's Lexi Junovic with the latest in regional news headlines. We'll find out more from the ABC newsroom at one o'clock today. Now to check in with the Bureau of Meteorology, we're joined this afternoon by Michael Efron. Afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, Annie. Well, let's talk about, let's start with yesterday because that's what we've been talking about today on the Country Hour. Incredible uh, hailstorm that ripped through central Victoria and caused causing a bit of damage around Kahuna, uh, Wee Rup, um, Durham Ox, we've been hearing from people. Yeah, yeah, really significant uh, thunderstorm activity produced uh, hailstones around the size of uh, cricket balls, tennis balls, uh, mm. through parts of central Victoria. So they they developed around uh, around Castlemaine, Clunes, uh, Malden, that area, and then tracked uh, to the north, so pushed towards Inglewood and then up uh, around Kahuna and that, that region. So really long-lived uh, storms, but also um, significant uh, hail, the type of storms you'd typically see in New South Wales and Queensland rather than in Victoria. Yeah, is that quite typical in, in northern Victoria to see that kind of storm at this time of year? Relatively rare. So we, yeah. we do tend to um, get hailstorms in, in summer, uh, especially over northeastern Victoria, um, produce maybe two to four centimetre hail, but these were uh, that, that slightly uh, larger size. So, yeah, pretty unusual for, uh, for Victoria, but... Um, Certainly good news is that um, we've seen uh, the activity clear from that uh, part of the state. However, uh, we are still looking at some storms over uh, eastern parts today. So a bit more hail potentially today in the east? That's right. There is a, a low pressure trough still lingering over uh, the east and northeast, and we've seen just in the last couple of hours some storms develop around uh, Mount Hotham, uh, Omeo, uh, also um, just east of uh, Bansdale as well, so continuing to track across uh, East Gippsland and the northeast uh, of the state. Uh, we may see some warnings for that activity as well as we head further into the afternoon. And, and once again, uh, large hail is the main uh, concern with those storms, but further west, um, across central and western districts, are relatively settled conditions, mostly cloudy in the south, but um, generally sunny through the north with southerly winds keeping temperatures down. So looking at top temperatures today uh, in the south in the high teens to low 20s and across the north around 26 to 31 degrees. And then on Wednesday, we'll see some thunderstorm activity again in the far east during the afternoon, but not expecting uh, that activity to be severe. Elsewhere in the south, there will be some showers around, but especially over Gippsland, less likely through the southwest district. Dry across the north, but one feature of tomorrow will be quite gusty uh, southerly winds across uh, the state. So actually a bit cooler than today. We're looking at temperatures through the north around 24 to 27 and in the south around 18 to 21. So uh, temperatures well below average for this time of year. But then beyond that, we do see pretty settled weather across most of the state on Thursday. Still a shower or two over East Gippsland. Dry conditions elsewhere, partly cloudy in the south, sunny through the north, temperatures 
in the low to mid-20s in the south, high 20s to low 30s across the north, and then even warmer on Friday. So on Friday, we're, we're going to see sunny skies across pretty much all of the state, maybe one or two showers in the far uh, east of the state, but uh, will be a, a warmer day. So temperatures around 29 to 32 across the north and in the south around uh, 22 to 27 degrees. And then the weekend is looking very settled with uh, light northeasterly winds, maybe a, a touch stronger along the coast, but uh, plenty of sun and temperatures uh, into the mid-30s across northern districts and high 20s to low 30s in the south. And then I think that will continue into Monday. We'll see uh, temperatures reaching the mid to high 30s across the north and low 30s uh, in the south. However, looks like a change will push through maybe very late Monday or uh, into Tuesday, uh, introducing a cooler southerly air stream over uh, most of the state. So uh, not a lot of rainfall expected uh, over the next week. I guess today really is the um, the biggest chance of, of heavier falls mm. uh, through eastern parts and obviously with those storms around, people should keep an eye out on our website for the latest warning information. Um, Michael, any warnings or anything else we need to know about for today? No, not at the moment. Just the still um, ongoing flood warning for the Murray. So um, from, I guess you'd, you'd say, the Swan Hill region uh, heading west um, towards uh, towards the border really is, is more of a, an issue um, nearer and west of Mildura. But, um, yeah, that flood water just taking a long time. Uh, to head downstream. Uh, Michael Ethron, uh, thank you so much for chatting with us, with us this afternoon. No worries, thanks, Danny. That's Michael Ethron from the Bureau of Meteorology there, giving us the latest weather update. And like I said earlier, um, we're going to keep with the weather because yesterday we were talking about our yearly rain totals and we still got a bunch of texts <laughs> to read out from yesterday as we were absolutely inundated um, with people with their yearly rain totals from around the state as well. Uh, but before we get to that, we're also getting a few texts today. So a few people on the text line, um, one saying, we live just outside of Kahuna, around five kilometres from Jody, who we spoke to a few moments ago, and we had wind but no no rain, hail or any damage. Isn't that fascinating? So just five kilometres down the road at Jody's place, they had huge amounts of trees, broken windows, crop damage, uh, the lot, the full lot at her house happened with that hailstorm yesterday. So incredible stuff. Also, uh, Barry in Kyabrub, good afternoon, Barry, says they've had 2.5 millimetres of rain today already or in the last 24 hours, I imagine, Barry. Thanks for that, keeping us updated. But back to our yearly rain totals. Uh, so, yes, thank you for everyone for sending them in. So I'll go with um, start with Jeff at uh, Pearsondale near Sale. Uh, he said he was quite happy not to be in the running for the highest rainfall, but recorded 667 millimetres for the year. He said it was just enough and fell at the right time for most of the year. And he missed 38 millimetres thunderstorm on Boxing Day by four kilometres. Uh, Graham out at Eagle Hawk near Bendigo got in touch with 906 millimetres for the year. Guy at Tulane in northern Victoria, 1,036 millimetres. 
also got a uh, text come in from the crew at Thunder Hill Estate Studs at uh, Musclefield in the Yarra Ranges. And they said for the year they had 1,760 millimetres. Uh, and John added, I've got to say this slowly because I'll, I'll mess it up, John, um, Bumanumana, it's in southern New South Wales, just across the border near Yarrawonga. Uh, they, for the year, got 730 millimetres. And another text that came in saying they had 806 millimetres for the year out at Savanac, also out near Yarrawonga. So thank you, everybody, for sending those texts in yesterday. Still to come on the Country Hour, we're running a little bit behind, but we've still got plenty to come. We are going to look at the livestock market this year and find out what's what's ahead. What we're seeing now in terms of cattle prices is just part of a natural um, cattle cycle that occurs over four years. And we're at a transition stage. The expectation is that we'll start to see prices you might say transition till August next year, stepping down. That's still to come on the Victorian Country Hour. It is 20 minutes to one. Nominations are now open for Farmer of the Year with 10 categories spanning all ages and stages of life on the land. Let's recognise the hard work of our rural leaders, innovators and farming legends and celebrate those in our rural sector who go above and beyond. You can enter yourself or someone you know at farmeroftheyear.com.au. Proudly supported by the Kandinan Group and ABC Rural. On ABC Radio Victoria, this is the Victorian Country Hour. Now, it's the anniversary that many would prefer to forget. In the past few days, residents in Victoria's far west have marked one year since a 7,000-hectare fire which wiped out thousands of livestock and destroyed farm infrastructure. Ken Frost is a farmer and CFA volunteer at Palagio, southwest of Edenhope. His property was completely burnt out, but he says despite the devastation, he is feeling very optimistic about the future. This is Ken, who spoke to our ABC News reporter, Alexander Darling. On New Year's Eve last year, we got a call out to a fire at the South Australian border. I drove the truck and we could see it at that Initially, it was heading south, then the wind changed, and my next-door neighbour rang his, or texted his wife and discovered that it was spotting into our back paddock at that stage. By the time we got, we left the fire ground and went home, our place had been completely burnt out. Fortunately, we still had a house and shearing shed and I didn't realise then that my wife had saved about 100 head of cattle on our place with the help from the neighbour. And at that stage, I thought, it's all, it's all over. I wasn't ready to retire, but it's going to happen. Within The next day, we discovered from our other block that was also completely burnt out that we had a neighbour let them all the cattle there out onto the road and it took us three weeks to collect them all and we saved over a hundred there that were in Mosquito along Mosquito Creek in the scrub 
make a nuisance to themselves with Delph and other bodies because they kept following utes around in the hope of getting a feed. So how many how many sheep did you lose in the end and how much pasture was burnt? A thousand acres. That 100% of our pasture was burnt and about 600 sheep. Three bulls and about six or seven head of cattle of, you know, heifers and steers and cows. So, yes. so and what, what happened look, in that year uh, after? I, as you said, Blaze was there, I think, helping replacing fencing and doing some tree planting with land care. Um, yeah, how, how has it been across the last year, basically watching your, your community rebuild? It's been more positive than I thought it would have been initially. There were a lot of people that were obviously stressed and traumatised for a start. And I think most, and I'm only speaking for myself and our next-door neighbours, that we just feel positive about the future and we've got good feed it was a strange year in that it was very wet till very late and we're still a bit green, but we could have, I think we could have got be back to our normal stocking rate, but because of our ages, we're, we'll continue to run at a lower level and do a bit less work. So have, have there been any people that have sold up or, or left their farms in the last year as a result of the fire? No. No, they haven't. There was a couple of people said they thought they'd sell out and retire, and but, you know, they're a bit more positive now and I haven't heard anything for a while. So I think, you know, that we've done a lot better than... We might have, the Department of Ag have had several workshops here helping us get over it and it's amazing how helpful people have been. When the fire was taking place, everyone trying to make triple O calls about their own properties uh, found it was hard to get a signal because the mobile towers were basically overwhelmed, like they didn't have the capacity to take yes. that many calls all at once. Has there been any change to that situation around Lankoop or Pelagelo in not, the last year? Not as, far as, not as far as I know. That is an issue that's... And depending on... How, we're relatively close to the tower, so it's not too bad. But if you get to the south of Pelagelo, it chops in and out, and it's not good. I've got a couple of neighbours that they, when they ring up, if they're not at their house where they've got a booster, are very hard to keep, they keep dropping out. So, yes, that's still an issue. There's Bellagio Farmer and CFA volunteer Ken Frost speaking there with Alexander Darling one year on from a bushfire that hit hard in that part of the world, damaging more than 7,000 hectares of land out in far west Victoria.
You are listening to the Victorian Country Hour. It is 13 minutes to one. Annie Brown is my name. Good to have your company this afternoon. Now, if you run sheep or cattle, you'd be acutely aware of the correction in the livestock market in 2022. But if we take a broader look at the year, what happened with that correction and where are we headed this year in 2023? To find out, Peter Somerville spoke with market analyst Simon Quilty. On New- I think, Peter, what we're seeing now in terms of cattle prices um, is just part of a natural um, cattle cycle that occurs over four years. Um, and we're at a transition stage um, right now. So the expectation is that we'll start to see prices, you might say, transition till August next year, stepping down. Um, in some instances, we may be closer to the, the bottom, you might say, of the market. And in others, we've still got a little ways to go. But um, And then when we get to the bottom of the market, um, it's about 12 months um, into 2024 to the end of 24 that we finally come out of that and then, then start to lift again. So to say it in a succinct way, Peter, we are in a cycle and we're at the start of, you might say, stage one of the um, transition down. That doesn't sound like a very optimistic way to go into the new year. We won't be setting any records. No, I don't think we are, but I think it's just, you know, people that have been doing this for a long time understand that these cycles exist and that it does create opportunities as well. Um, You know, I personally think that at some point um, the value of cows will become Um, even more attractive, um, probably May next year is my expectation. And those that are rebuilding or looking to rebuild, it's a good opportunity to step in and start to buy again. So for many, they've kind of missed out over the last um, year and a half, two years because of how expensive things have been, cattle. Um, But as we move forward, I think it does create opportunities for those that want to step back and start to rebuild again. And so we understand this is uh, cyclical, but where are we at in that downward cycle? Can you give us some figures of of how far through the correction we are, I guess? Sure. So um, in terms of where we're at in in the stages, this is, you might say, about just over halfway through. And so what we'll do, you know, is as we step through this, the cattle herd is actually expanding, no surprises there. But I guess as it expands, Peter, the numbers build, of course, and supply starts to out, you know, oversupply, not oversupply, but um, demand, you know, is on the other side and there's simply too much supply coming forward and therefore prices start to fall. I think, though, what to keep in mind is that production in Australia in terms of beef, every time we've had a high, you might say, in production, those highs are slightly lower than than the previous high of um, four, five, six years earlier. So it's a trend that we've noticed and that the lows in terms of volume of production and beef are getting lower again. And I think part of that is that challenge of continually hitting droughts. And so just when we think we're really, you know, rebuilding at a good rate, we hit a drought. And unfortunately, it slows down that that production cycle 
and therefore the highs are getting lower and the lows are even getting lower again in terms of overall volume and production. We've covered um, beef markets fairly well there, but what about for sheep and lamb? It's been a bit of a rocky year in that sector as well. It has been, and I think one of the greatest challenges there is labour. It's been truly challenging because, you know, the restricted, I guess, ability as the volume of lamb surge, and particularly of recent weeks, there's simply not enough labour in which to cope with that extra volume. So it kind of is going through these um you know, upswings in terms of supply and that ability or the bottlenecks that are created. So uh, absenteeism is the other huge um, problem where we've had a wave of COVID go through the eastern seaboard in Australia. And with that, Peter, you know, illnesses, um, people being away from work. And, you know, we've got throughout the meat industry and other parts of the processing industry across Australia, you know, people are absent. So I think it's truly given challenges on that front. And as a result, we've seen lamb prices suffer because simply there isn't the kill capacity to handle the volume. Has it been a lot to suffer? Are they significantly down? I think it has. We saw that about a month ago in Wagga where the flooding was occurring. People were bringing lambs forward because of the fear of additional or more flooding. There were some that had been holding on to lambs and it was the perfect storm. And we saw something like 85,000 head of lambs come into the market in one week. And then that week, by chance, was a spike in COVID cases throughout New South Wales and Victoria. And so the perfect storm came. And as a result, you know, prices of lambs, um, heavy and light, plummeted literally overnight. We've seen a, a rebound since then. I think the lamb market is, is current at the moment. I know that a lot of people in the industry believe that there is carryover into next year. The figures that I've looked at point to that the slaughterings are up in, since October, and uh, to me, we're probably current. And for what it's worth, Peter, out of the last 12 years, land prices in Q1, nine times out of 12, have risen 9% compared to Q4 um, the previous quarter. So for what it's worth, if we are going to see history repeat itself, um, there's a reasonable chance that land prices, hopefully in the first quarter of 2023 will be better and if the history repeats itself there nine percent i think we've got a lot of listeners now crossing their fingers Uh, simon prices aside uh, was 2022 the year that we started to care about fmd is that the big thing that stands out for you from this year or uh, maybe the floods a bigger issue to have hit the industry what's what's the big one for you I, i think fmd and lumpy skin disease were the, the, the big ones, the big tickets. And there's no doubt that we saw in July this year a plummeting of prices as, you might say, hysteria in the media kind of took hold. And fortunately, those prices corrected themselves as the hysteria came out of it. But, Peter, look, there's no doubt those concerns still are there. You know, I was fortunate enough recently to go to a summit in Bali 
on foot and mouth disease, of which lumpy skin disease was also talked about at length. There were 15 nations present, 10 of which both diseases are endemic and meaning they're there to stay. And the real concern is within Indonesia that both foot and mouth and lumpy skin disease today is endemic, meaning that it's going to be incredibly difficult to get rid of. Do we, to some extent, just need to accept that it's coming for us? I think we do. And look, let's give credit where credit's due. I think um, the federal government and the um, chief veterinary officer, Mark Ship and his team, have done a very good job in reaching out to Indonesia. I think the fact that the vaccinations in Bali are now of a significant uh, number is really important in terms of reducing the Bali risk in terms of tourists and travellers. So, you know, right now, almost every animal in terms of cattle have had their first dose in Bali and they're on to their second vaccinations, which has really reduced that risk considerably. But Peter, the real concern is the rest of Indonesia, where right now, you know, it's barely 10% of all livestock throughout Indonesia have been vaccinated. And here we are almost eight months into these two diseases. So the spread continues throughout all of Indonesia of both diseases. And what we're learning is that it's becoming more intense within regions of Indonesia. At Simon Quilty there, wrapping up what was a very big year for the livestock market in 2022. Uh, Simon is an independent livestock market analyst and he was speaking there with Peter Somerville. Now, lastly, before we wrap up this afternoon, um, some more yearly rain total texts coming in. This is a topic that we've sort of stretched over a couple of days because we've just had so many people text in with their final numbers for the year 2022. But a late entry from Ruth at Lee and Gatha. Afternoon, Ruth. Thanks for sending this in. She says they got 1,245 millimetres for 2022. Pretty wet year. Uh, Also, good afternoon, Country Hour. We had 1,690 millimetres of rain for the year 2022. That's from Leo at Rose River. Thanks for sending that in as well, Leo. Uh, Also, um, hi guys, our total for the year was 941 millimetres in Yinar South. We're located just south of Morwell. And I think that's all the ones we've, we've... we've got today. Thank you so much for everybody though for sending in all their yearly rain total texts. Uh, It's really great to sort of get across all areas of the state and reaching all corners of the state of Victoria and finding out how much rain we have had over that time. Now speaking of water, let's take a quick look at the dam levels around the state as well. Hume Dam currently sitting at 98%, Dartmouth Dam 99.96 coming down, Lake Ilden 99 as well, like Epilock 99, Mildura Weir at 104% capacity, and out in Gippsland, Glen Maggie, Lake Glen Maggie at 92%, and Blue Rock Lake at 101% at the moment. Now, 
And that's all the time we have for today on The Country Hour. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Uh, a little announcement that tomorrow we might have a bit of a shorter Country Hour. The cricket starts again in Sydney and we will be with you at 12.40 during the lunch break. But looking at the forecast, it might be a bit wet in Sydney, so we might be back at midday as well. So keep an eye on the weather and we'll talk to you tomorrow. But thanks for joining me this afternoon.